uh, Facebook and YouTube. We're glad that you're here as well. Um, when in one moment your world is turned upside down, do you take your request to Jesus? Maybe it's not been a moment for you, but maybe your life has been as much as a life of misery. It hasn't been a few weeks. It hasn't been a moment. It's been years for you. You've tried everything else, but do you take your request to Christ? Do you feel like you deserve the misery you're in? Sometimes we can be in a place where we are in a great trial or a great difficulty and we feel like we deserve. It's our lot in life. This is what we ought to suffer. Or maybe you don't feel like you deserve it, so you're definitely not going to trust Christ with the misery that you're in. In today's reading, we're going to learn about a man whose life was turned upside down in a moment. About a woman whose life has been miserable for years. Today, we're going to compare those two people. We will look at how they are different, and we will look at how they are the same. And then we'll ask ourselves what we learn from this passage and how will we apply it. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. It said, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and pressed in against him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around to in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude pressing in? And you say, Who touched you? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, 
knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a a crowd and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother and the child and and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. And he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And he said that something should be given her to eat. I want to look first at how are these two people Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and this woman with the issue of blood, how are they different? Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. This would have made him both spiritual and popular in the community. The position of the ruler would not only have made him spiritual, but it also would have made him, it was a political position. And with this political position, it would have given him power. Jairus has succeeded in life, but it's more than that. He's married. He has a family. A daughter that he's enjoyed for the past 12 years. Watching her grow up, listening to her laughter, hearing her feet scamper through the house. He was successful and he was satisfied. We might look at Jairus this way. That for 12 years... He seems to have lived the American dream in Israel. Let's think about the woman. The issue of blood. Woman with a hemorrhage. How are they different? She was an outcast, but what made her an outcast? The condition that she had, this hemorrhage, this blood flow that was unstoppable, this condition made her, by Jewish law, unclean. Because she was unclean, she was unable to worship at the temple. Because she was unable to worship at the temple, it made her unfit to be a wife. Because she could not be a wife, she did not have a family. Because of this condition, she was not only rejected by the spiritual community, but she was also rejected by the society that she lived in. More than likely, not only was she rejected by the temple and the synagogue and the spiritual people, not only was she rejected by the society and the community she lived in, but she would have been rejected by her own family. Her own family would have said that you are unclean. You cannot come around us. She's been in this condition 
for 12 years. She's seen many physicians, suffered many things, and she's spent all that she's had. She finds herself on this day in poverty above everything else. For 12 years, she's been in a nightmare. The two people that we have just discussed could not have been further apart. Two people that could not have been more different. But how are they the same? Two very different people. But how are they the same? you to think with me about this. They both are without peace in their lives. Jairus' sickness of his daughter and near death of his daughter has caused him to be in a position that says, there's no peace in my life. She has not had peace in her life for many years now. But they both have heard about Jesus. They both have heard about His teaching. They both have heard about His healing. They've heard about His power, His authority. And they both believe that Jesus can change their situation. But it is a great risk for both of them to come to Jesus. It is a great risk. Would you think about the risk for me just a minute? For Jairus being the ruler of the synagogue, this would jeopardize his career. You see, his colleagues were already gunning for this man Jesus. They, would, uh, they were uh, jealous of the following he had, the authority in which he taught, the miracles which, which he, were able, he was able to perform. If his career is gone, his reputation is gone, his political power is gone, his family now lives in, in poverty. For Jairus, losing all that seems to be significant in his life was worth losing if his daughter could live. But he was risking it all for her. What about her? She seems to already be on the bottom, right? She seems to already be. What, what, what more? What, what would she risk? Would she have? Think about it. She's unclean. She's not allowed in the crowd, and she presses into the crowd, and she's not allowed to be there. But beyond that, she's going to press in with being unclean and touch the one that everybody is looking to as being the Lord and the Christ. And then what she does is she takes the chance. What if He doesn't heal me? For her, it would be the final straw. For her, it would be the end. And listen, if Jesus doesn't heal her, she's done. It's a do or die situation for her. But I want you to note that both Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood both come and fall at Jesus' feet. 
recognizing. Both of them recognized that they were unworthy, but they recognized Jesus' worth. Both Jairus and this lady placed their entire lives in the hands of Jesus. All of his wealth, all of his popularity, his political power, everything, his daughter's life, everything is placed into the hands of one person, Christ. She's pressing through and risking and for the last time pressing everything, every chance that she has on one person, and it's Christ. When they fell at His feet, they were trusting Him with everything. Not part of it, but all of it. They were trusting Him with with their whole life. God, it's yours. Do with it what you want. What do we learn from this passage? This This is what we learn first. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, clean or unclean, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, we must all come to Jesus the same way, and that is by faith. It doesn't matter. You have two people on opposite ends of the world. But in order to come to Jesus, they had to come to Jesus the exact same way. They're placing their entire life on one person's decision and love and care and compassion. Just one. What else do we learn? You see, verse 36. I want you to see verse 36. I think it's very important. That as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Remember, what has he heard? That Jairus' daughter is dead. Can you imagine his disciples at this time? His disciples were probably thinking, If you had not messed around with this woman, we could have gone on and this would not have happened. Remember Mary and Martha? If you hadn't tarried, Lord, my brother would still be alive. I wonder if that's what Jairus was thinking. I wonder if Jairus was thinking, Lord, if you had a Terry trying to figure out who touched you, Lord, my daughter would not have been dead. But what does he say to him? He says, do not be afraid, only believe. See, we all must come by faith. In this fallen world, This is the second thing we learn. That it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, clean or unclean, man or woman, boy or girl. In this fallen world, there's sickness, disease, and death, and it comes to every one and to every household. And the reality is, is that in this fallen world, every single one of us will experience hurt. Everyone sitting here is hurt in some way or even right now. There's pain. This is what I want you to see thirdly. 
whether you're rich or poor, clean or unclean, man or woman, boy or girl, Jesus cares for those who hurt. Jesus interrupted his whole schedule to go to his house. Jesus interrupted his second schedule to spend some time with this lady. Jesus cares for those who are hurt. Do you know there's a statement in this passage that Jesus uses? And it may not be the only time that he ever said it, but it's the only time that it's ever recorded. Because, you know, Jesus done a lot of things that's never recorded. But there's one statement in here that it's the only place in the Word of God that it's recorded. And it's when Jesus looks at her and says, You are my daughter. Why do you think that's significant? Why would it be the only place that we see it in the Scripture? Because Jesus knew how hurting she was. Remember, she was an outcast from the temple from the synagogue, from the spiritual. She was an outcast in the community. She was an outcast with her own family. And Jesus speaks to her and says, you might be an outcast everywhere else, but you belong to my family. You are my daughter. Jesus cares for the hurting. What else did we learn? We learn this, that those who come to Jesus by faith will be changed. The unclean will be made clean. The powerless will receive power. The anxious will receive peace. Those without family will receive a new family. And in verse 34, I already said it, he calls her daughter. What is the truth we need to believe today? How do we need to respond to this passage of Scripture Jesus wants you to bring your heart to Him today. No matter what it is, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, Jesus wants your heart. He wants you to bring it to Him. Now, I want you to think about this. We've said it, and we'll say it again, that we all must come to Jesus the same way, and that is by faith. I want you to notice something about Jairus and this woman. Neither one of them had perfect faith. Their faith was not perfect. You see, Jairus, when he heard that his daughter was dead, Jesus had to turn to him and said, Do not be afraid, but believe. What was he saying to him? I know your faith is shaking right now. I know your faith is not where it needs to be right now. But I'm asking you to just believe. His faith was not perfect. Her faith was not perfect. Even after she knows that she's been healed, And Jesus calls her out. She comes to him how? With fear and trembling because she don't know what he's going to say to her. She don't know that he's going to call her daughter. And she's still hurting emotionally though she's healed physically. 
their faith was not perfect. Your faith does not have to be perfect to come to Jesus. What it has to be is that Jesus must be the object of your faith. Do you see? They weren't going to the temple. They weren't going to the synagogue. They weren't going to a doctor. They weren't going here or there. The object of their faith, their life, rested in the hands of one person, and his name was Jesus. So our faith doesn't have to be perfect as long as Jesus is the object of our faith. It's He who we're putting all of our trust in, all of our belief in. Do or die. I'm trusting you, Lord, with my life right now. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time you've given us to be together. And I know, Father, that I, I am not oblivious to the point that there are people in this room that have hurts that nobody else even knows about. Pain that nobody else even knows about. Some of it just happened in a moment. Some of it's been going on for years. Father, right now, Father, I'm asking all of us in this room to bring our heart to you, Christ. To bring it to you. Every bit of it. You're the object of our faith. You're the only one that can do anything who wants to do anything about this heart. Father, on behalf of those that are gathered with us, on behalf of those that are watching by YouTube, by the other group that's watching by Facebook, no matter where we're at, no matter who we are, Father, we bring our hearts to you today, God. Because we don't have to bear them alone. You care. And we thank you for the healing that's going to take place in hearts and lives in this moment and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. I'd share, let me challenge you as you leave today. Would you do this? Um, don't don't gather up in the door of the foyer um, uh, and talk. Will you? It's a beautiful day. Will you move on out into the parking lot and have conversations? We're going to get through this thing. And, and and some people say, Pastor, are you being overly cautious? Don't you think I have to be? Don't you think I don't have a choice? I, I think it's the wisest for us to be overly cautious right now. Um, so we want to be that. Um, so I just ask you to uh, conversate and congregate in the par parking lot to where the sun can bake the corona and the wind can blow it away. Okay? <laughs> All right. Guys, I love you and we'll see you next week.